Hello, friends. Welcome back to Operation Opera. Elisa and I had a wonderful chat with actress and human rights advocate Nazanin Boniadi about all things relating to being an artist and a human and caring about other humans. Enjoy. We are on with Nazanin Boniadi, who is a very dear friend and a wonderful actor and someone who I admire greatly. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have her on our podcast today. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So Nazanin, one of the things that uh, in one of our early conversations, we were chatting about advocacy work and how there's a challenge in being an artist and staying true to yourself sort of as a person, like with what you feel your calling is. Um, What... Like how has that sort of manifested in your life? I mean, it's it's multi-layered for me because I started uh, in my career in a post 9-11 climate. So um, there were obvious racial challenges um, in my casting. And it's very easy. Hollywood often wants to pigeonhole people and put them in boxes and say, you know, well, this is what you're good at. And um, once they do that, it's really sort of hard to to break out of out of that box. So I think the initial challenge for me, you know, one of my very first jobs was on a soap opera. And, you know, the consensus is if you're on a soap, it's hard to break into prime time, then it's hard to break into film. Mm -hmm. And if you're on prime time, then it's hard to break into film. Of course, all those rules have really gone away these days. But I when I started, it was very real. It was, it was something everybody talked about. And there was that challenge There was breaking out of stereotypes and, you know, being able to embody and be and play um, roles across the, the spectrum and not just specific stereotypical Middle Eastern roles. And then I found in my casting that, you know, Hollywood loves particularly for Middle Eastern actors to either indicate how Middle Eastern they are, meaning uh, exoticize somehow. So, so give, give them an accent, put a headscarf on their head to show that they're Muslim. Um, indicators, visual and um, audio cues that make you think of someone as Middle Eastern as opposed to just having a Middle Eastern character, which by the way, I think the most, the majority of Middle Eastern people living in the West or outside of Iran and even inside of Iran uh, and or in the Middle East, um, don't fit those stereotypes that we see on TV and on screen um, in the West. So it's this idea of being exoticized or having your, your, identity or ethnic identity, cultural, religious identity completely erased. There's no happy medium. Um, So that was a challenge. This idea of, you know, being on a show where you have an accent and a headscarf and then being on a show where there's no indication of any of your ethnicity 
and the different ways then you're perceived by the audience. In one, you're celebrated for being, for your inclusion and your diversity. In another, you're not even seen as a Middle Eastern person. You're seen, you know, you're not celebrated for your diversity and inclusion. So there's this sort of middle ground as someone from the Middle East that I've had to sort of navigate and find, breaking out of stereotypes, but also celebrating the fact that casting a Middle Eastern actor is actually um, a victory for, for us and, and representation matters and, and all of these things. So um, those are the, really the main challenges. Interesting. Um, so what, and I guess this is all coming up right now, especially because, you know, certain announcements have been made and there's been all kinds of craziness online and people are, oh, and I, I suppose that that process and, you know, coming out of a post, you know, coming into the world of acting and performing post 9-11, like that, yeah, that would have, I imagine that was a really challenging time. Um, we spoke once about how you initially were pre-med. Mm, yeah. Right? yeah. And Elisa, you also were pre-med, right? It's true. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Isn't that interesting? And like I toyed with the idea until I actually <laughs> until I actually was responsible for giving a patient medication and then I realized, oh, this is a terrible idea. Um and but I think that for really heartfelt thinking and very centered and grounded people, which I believe you all are, um, it makes sense that as a performer, that there's a side of us that also wants to care and take care. Yes. And heal. Yes. And heal. And, and how, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I was just gonna, yes, agree with you and say that I, since I was a child, I've, I've felt like my inner calling is to give back, to help, to heal, and all of those things that you just mentioned. Um, and it's interesting because I think culturally I've been ingrained with the idea that medicine, and I think all of us think that medicine or nursing, uh, these are the, the altruistic, the giving professions. Um, when you think of giving, you don't think necessarily of acting because acting, the limelight is on you um, and you, uh, you're shining and your center of attention. I have this, this motto of if you're a star, you have two, you have two options. One, you can shine, a star can shine or a star can illuminate. And I've always chosen the latter because I think that if it's self-serving to, to use your platform um, to, to simply shine and, and shine brightly and, and have it be all about yourself when you're in this great position to give back and to illuminate and to shine a light on injustices around the world, inequalities um, and, and the disenfranchised and their struggles. So my whole you know, coming into the arts, of course, the arts have the value, intrinsic value of uniting people and changing public opinions. And, 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 you know, art to me is a universal language in a lot of ways. And I think there's that, um, conscientizing, raising awareness, um, creating dialogue, film and television really do have that ability. But there's another aspect of it, which is with the success of an actor, I think they then have that opportunity to 
those sort of really um, be the change they want to see in the world and relay that through example, by example, to people who are looking at them and watching them. Um, and I, I think that's just been my sort of life goal is to, to be the change I want to see in the world. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Agree. I applaud that. <laughs> Thanks, ladies. <laughs> yeah. Um, and on that line, like on that line of thinking, being the change that you want to see in the world, you know, with, with things that are coming up right now and struggles that, um, that are happening, we have a unique sort of position to, to influence for good, right? And that each of us sort of come into this world with a, you know, with a set of experiences and within those experiences and within that culture have an opportunity to, to make a difference for good. And I think that that's something that I really appreciate about, about your work, um, you know, as an actor and then as an advocate. And a person like me, I'm, I'm a person that loves these ideas. It's like, oh, let's do this. Let's do this great thing. I want to do this and I want to do that. And I have all these ideas. <laughs> and then I'm like, how, how do I do it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, trust me, I've been there too, uh, Rachel. I, it, it's daunting because you look at the problems in the world and you think, I want, to, I want to be a part of the solution for all of these things. But I, there's no way one person can do it all, which I think which is where I realized that you you pick the one thing you think you can make a dent in. And I, at least for me, I feel like there are so many more issues I'm passionate about. I just realistically know that that's, I'm not going to get around to making any kind of a meaningful impact on all of them. So you choose, you pick your battles and you you say, you know, this is what I feel most confident speaking on. This is what I'm most connected to. And I think that's, that's the way I've gone about it because I can tell you there are days where I, I just feel completely overwhelmed by the number of things that come my way, uh, the requests, the, will you post this? Will you, will you speak on that? And I really have to, to navigate how to, to be most effective. And it's not because I don't care about many other issues. It's because I think spreading oneself too thin is dangerous in the sense that I don't, I don't necessarily want to be a poster ch child for everything because I know that that doesn't have impact. Um, so I feel like you choose what's, what's near and dear to your heart and you, you really focus wholeheartedly on, wholeheartedly on that. So when you find that thing, that thing that is, you know, that speaks to you, and I feel like in the arts, as artists, I, I think it's a responsibility that we each have as those who, who, are, who have a chance to influence others to find that thing, because it is what helps us be human. Um, what, what's that process like for becoming an advocate, for reaching out to people, for finding avenues and ways of, of, um, of connecting? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I started, honest, in all honesty, I started very, very early in my acting career when nobody knew who I was. So I, I remember there was a point in my advocacy that I felt, and probably, I probably still do today, sometimes get recognized for my activism without the person realizing I'm an actor. Hmm. So it's interesting getting from that point of, being unknown for both, but driving, using 
your acting platform in a way and leveraging it in a way that actually makes you a better known activist than you are an actor. And the way that I think that happened for me was if the passion is there and you're standing on, you know, on a street with two of your friends picketing um, or like, you know, protesting something and there are no cameras to be seen. You don't know really how to organize it, but that feeling that that need to express yourself uh, and, and find justice for people is there then automatically I think you'll find a way to partner with people who have that passion and know how to use that your platform. And I think that's how it happened for me where I met, I knew, I always knew about Amnesty International. I knew I wanted to partner with them um, because I grew up in London and, and uh, you know, all the, the musicians, the artists that I admired were part of this, um, this fantastic human rights organization, um, biggest human right, rights organization in the world and what most visible and um, I automatically knew when I started my advocacy about 12 years ago, probably more than that, um, that I wanted to partner with an organization like that. And because of my passion, I thought, I think they realized that even though I didn't have a huge platform as an actor, um, or actually, to be perfectly honest, any real platform, I, I think I was on the soap at the time I started with Amnesty and, um, very few people knew who I was. And I think it was passion coupled with educating myself constantly, mm. um, being in touch with the people I'm trying to help rather than just reading about it. Um, and diving deep into the issues, constantly being around people who are much more knowledgeable than I am, um, and learning and, and, and understanding that I don't know everything and I have a long way to go. And then my partnership with Amnesty led me also to my partnership with the Center for Human Rights in Iran, for which I've been on the board since 2015. And I think these partnerships and, and, um, and team, the teamwork has enabled me to get to the point where I'm speaking at the UK Parliament or the German Parliament on, or on Capitol Hill. Um, because they just know how to use my platform. Um, and then you just prove yourself. You prove that you know what you're talking about and, and, and that you have the knowledge and the experience to back up what you're saying. Um, and I think that was a long road for me. And I think it's for any advocate or aspiring advocate out there, I would say that it doesn't happen overnight. We can't, you know, assume to know there's so much to learn. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's a long road, but I think it's one very, very much worth traveling um, and very fulfilling when, when you're in it uh, for the long run. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, when you began, because this is, this, here's my thing. Like when I first was learning how to read music or learn a role, I had to have a coach that sat down and said, first, Rachel, you write out the translation. Okay, check, do that. Okay. Next, you right. Literally, it was like here is a here is a guidebook. Now I realize that everyone's journey is going to be a little bit different when it comes to sort of finding their place within the giving back circles of the world. But you mentioned like showing up to a protest, um, you know, and sort of meeting like-minded people. Um, like, what are other sort of inroads for for advocacy that 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 can be sort of a starting jumping off point and you know and from there you build the network of knowledgeable people and surround yourself by literature and things like that yeah i i think the main thing to have in mind is 
understanding why you're doing it. Um, there are two very valid forms of advocacy. There's, um, there's awareness raising, very important. I think it's very important for people to become aware of issues. And there are definitely artists who use their platforms to raise awareness. But my whole thing is what good is awareness if then there is no action behind it? What are we asking people to do? Um, and how do we impact change? And if the goal, which is my goal, my goal is, is to how to bring about change. If the goal is to bring about change, then you have to look at strategic partnerships that will lead to that. So it's not just about tweeting something. It's not performative advocacy where, you know, you, you are just posting a picture or, or holding a banner. It's then what does that lead to? And yes, there is, there is absolute validity to that sort of advocacy and sharing things and um, and, and advocating and raising awareness. But I think the main point for me is finding those people that can work with you to turn that into meaningful change. So whether it's supporting a piece of legislature that you believe in, um, that, that will impact change, or if it's speaking to your representatives to, to bring about that kind of legislature, um, or whether it's as simple as overturning a, well, this is not simple, but it's, it's one of the strategies is to overturn a, um, an oppressive law. If, if a law you feel is, is preventing people from, from living freely and with dignity, then that's a course of action is how do you sort of lobby to get that law, that oppressive law overturned? Um, so there, there's actual change that can happen. How can you um, stop someone who's abusing people from abusing people? How do you take them away from that position of power? How do you um, put in systems that will protect people in workplaces or in um, their communities? And so I think all of these things are how strategically looking to partner with people who can bring, help you bring about those changes. Um, as an advocate, rather than just simply sort of uh, putting something out there that will absolutely bring people's attention to it and maybe create a lot of energy around it. But then how do you transfer that energy into to impact? Yeah, I have a question about that, actually. Um, yeah. Because it's such an interesting world we live in now with um, the influence of social media and um, the way that we connect with one another, which can sometimes feel very, um, very distant, very superficial, and yet can then become so divisive and combative and politicized and all this. <clears throat> um, and as far as, as the networking that you've done and the, and the education that you've engaged in surrounding yourself with people who know a lot more than you do, as you said, um, how have you decided where to start in terms of trying to make more of an impact locally? And you probably travel a lot, I imagine, as a part of, um, you know, your career. Um, but how have you decided, you know, you partnered with organizations, yes, but then um, is it just, are they kind of targeting different areas of the world that are in need? Or do you have a specific area that you're more invested in? Yeah, that's a great question. So my, my focus has been uh, human rights, of course, but more recently refugees. Um, 
And a, a prime example of this, for example, now, right now I'm in New Zealand and I've been partnering, I'm lucky because I'm an ambassador for Amnesty UK because of this relationship, long lasting relationship that I've had with Amnesty International, Amnesty is a global organization. So everywhere I go, there is a chapter or an organization that I can walk into their offices and, and um, see how I can be of service. And of course, the, the kind people that Amnesty in Amnesty New Zealand have, have been a wonderful resource and guide for me. And I've already partnered with them while I'm here. Um, but a prime example of like, you know, maybe the area of focus for some people, maybe there isn't a chapter of the, an organization that they're already partnering with um, where they are. So for, for me, when I started working on refugees, for example, I wanted to link it into my human rights work and of course talk to Iranians who are fleeing persecution in Iran. And I noticed that one of the places that that's happening is at the border of the northern border of France, trying to get to the UK. There are a lot of Iranians fleeing persecution who end up in refugee camps in Calais and Dunkirk. And and of course, I called all the big refugee organizations and none of them had a presence in northern France. So I, I did my research and I found a wonderful smaller organization called Care for Calais. And I reached out to their founder, um, Claire Mosley, who is a wonderful lady who um, helped me basically get to Calais and, and guided me through the camps. And, and I made this short documentary, uh, short docufilm, six minute docufilm about what I witnessed there. And, um, and, and the, the hope was with that documentary short that it would get to, and I have sent it to lawmakers in the UK and across the world to uh, raise awareness on uh, the issue of, of refugees, but also to, to demand change, to, to, to have them see this firsthand in a way that they wouldn't just reading an article, for example, in a short film that is, you know, that hopefully they have enough of an attention span to watch uh, or time to watch, because I know these are busy people. And then that is um, something that you then ask for, there's a call to action at the end of it, which is, you know, help these people live with dignity, um, overturn oppressive laws that are keeping them out of, um, of to keep them out of harm's way. Um, so that's that's an example of how you find um, you, you can find an organization to partner with no matter what you're interested in. Um, and if not, then I, my advice would be start one. If you can't find something that is is right in your wheelhouse where you where you the type of doing the type of work you want to be doing, then as, as daunting as it sounds, find a couple of friends, brainstorm and and start as a small um, grassroots organization and have it grow over the over the years and in your pro like in your um, sort of quest to to find the, the organizations that are going to be able to like the, the group that you found in Calais what is sort of your weeding out process like what what are your red flags for oh this is not going to be the right organization for me I think once you have a, a very honest open and honest conversation with the leadership of that um, of the organization it becomes your values become their values and your values are out in the open and you um and you can just see if it's a good match um and i think go but with your instincts if you feel like this isn't working or it doesn't you know match your values um then then try and find another organization but i i do think that open communication with the leadership um 
of an organization oftentimes tells you, and then you can do your own research, who else is involved? Um, what kind of work, to, work have they done? Usually there's a website. If there isn't, can you call anyone to see what kind of work they've done in the past? Does it fit in with your principles and your values? Um, and I think it's just a matter of educating yourself and um, do, doing the research. Great. That's great. Yes. I just want to point out, Rachel, I don't know if you picked up on this, but she said, start your own organization. It's interesting what Rachel and I have tried to do <laughs> over these last, what is it, seven years or something, um, is have a conversation. This is not not um, on a, such a grand scale as as far as oppression goes um, and human rights and and that kind of thing. But what we're trying to do is is just get people. Um, it it is along the lines of healing for sure, um, and you know, at the risk of sounding over, totally privileged and um, I don't even know <laughs> entitled, but um, but yeah, we, we are about reaching out to each other and, and trying to feel more connection within our profession, which can sometimes be really cutthroat and, um, <clears throat> and overly competitive um, with a lot of insecurity and pretension and all kinds of things like that. So um, yeah, and I don't, I, you know, the amount of impact we're making, I think maybe we'll find out, you know, as the years continue on, I don't know, but um, but this is really inspiring what you've done and, and the reach that you've had um, among so many, so many people. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you, Alyssa. And I, I just want to add that, you know, what you are doing with this podcast and, and creating this dialogue with people is so important. Um, the Dalai Lama I saw recently said something about emotional hygiene and how that really resonated with me because I feel like it's so important we we take for granted how important it is to have kindness in the world and openness and um and that is the basis for everything in my opinion is to to just have a open kind supportive network of people around you and create that in your immediate environment and also hopefully eventually the world and i think this podcast is a great way to do that so thank you Thank you. We hope so. <laughs> here's, for, here's for people being honest and open and kind and yes. promoting healing of all kinds in the world. So thanks for being, being with us. And Thank you. Thank yeah. you, ladies.